everyone. Just a quick note to say thank you so much for taking the time to listen to these episodes. I hope that you're finding them helpful. And if you are, and you have a minute to leave me a rating or a review on iTunes, that would be amazing. It really does help more people find the podcast. Okay, on to the show. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Making It to the Mic. I'm your host, Stephanie Pam Roberts, and today I'll be talking to Joanna Carpenter. Like some of my previous guests, Joanna came to voiceover from the musical theater world. She was fortunate to score an agent early on, but the pandemic forced her to build a home studio and really dig into learning the tech side of things. We talk about really taking ownership and pride in that and not letting it intimidate you, which is critical these days since home studios are a way of life now. So let's dive in. Here's my conversation with Joanna Carpenter. Well, hello, Joanna. How are you today? Hello, Steph. I'm good. I'm I'm so good. Excellent. Well, welcome to the podcast. I'm really, really excited to have you here. Thank you for having me. Oh, my gosh. So I always start off with the question, tell us about your journey. How did you make it to the mic and what did you do before voiceover? Ooh, so I've always been an actor and I think I started like playing with quote fingers voices when uh, when I was younger. Um, I was really, really a, a big fan of Robin Williams growing up. And he was kind of, you know, everything from uh, his voiceover work in Aladdin to Mrs. Doubtfire to, you know, all the other stuff that he did. It was just such a part of his existence to just do these voices, right? So I started kind of mimicking him when I was younger and playing with like throwing my voice without having any idea what I was doing. I've had people tell me over the years that like, oh, you should do voiceover. I never really understood what that meant. I was just always like, okay, yeah, great. (laughs) And then August of 2019, I got connected with a commercial agent um, who is like one of the biggest and the best. They're by Coastal. They do like so much voiceover. And I'd never taken a class. I'd never studied voiceover. You know, obviously, like I love animation and video games and and all of that stuff. But um, I got kind of like thrown into the frying pan and they asked to freelance and just like see how things worked out. And I was like, great. And within the first, I want to say week of freelancing, 10 days, something like that, they sent me 20 auditions. Um, They were all for commercial. And I was like, okay, cool. Because I seem to kind of have a natural affinity for uh, what's needed for commercial voiceover. Then after about 10 days, they emailed me and they were like, hi, we'd like to sign you. And I was like, <laughs> I'm such an idiot. I was like, why? <laughs> and they were like, they were like, because your voice is amazing. And I was like, OK. So it's been a process like understanding the tech side of things and understanding how to be the biggest asset to the client when you're in the booth and bringing my actor brain into interpretation when sometimes we get really weird copy. It's been a constant learning process, but I definitely got just like flung into the deep end, um, which is cool. That's kind of how I like to roll. That's awesome. So did you when you started, did you take any classes? Did they recommend any classes or did you just sort of jump in? I just sort of jumped in. They have not recommended classes. And this isn't this is an agency that will like tell you like they're just like, hi, I need you to like do this. And this, and you're like, OK, cool. Thank you. Mm hmm. You know, I've taken a couple um, tech side workshops with uh, a really great sound engineer that has a great relationship with my agency. And I'm really I've especially during the pandemic and like building out a booth in my apartment, you know, trying to make sure that I am as tech savvy as I possibly can be. But in terms of taking a class when it comes to the actual acting work, I haven't 
done that. So do you feel like it's easy to access your previous acting training and sort of just apply it to voiceover? It's it's interesting because you don't think of um, commercial voiceover work as requiring acting chops, right? Um, a lot of people are like, just say the copy, you know, like, this is Chobani. And like, you still have to interpret commercial text. You still have to be able to take a minute and envision what you think that ad is going to look like. You Especially when they send you like, oh, this is the soundtrack that we're using for the spot. Listening to that and really getting to know how that sound melds with your voice and how you can be of service to the text, even if it's like some wacky shit, right? Because mm-hmm. um, I kind of treat commercial and uh, animation and video game entirely separately. You kind of have to. In the animation world, um, and I'm still, it, it is still such a, such a learning curve for me, but in the animation world, you have to be able to embody a character within the very intimate relationship of just your face and your mic, mm-hmm. right? Like it's an entirely, um, the, the relationship, the storytelling, we don't have the the tools that we normally have when we're on stage or on camera where you have your your eyes, you have your body, you have these things. But all of those come into play because if you think you can just isolate your voice and throw it in whatever way you want to do and you don't engage the rest of your physicality, your breath, your, you know, all the all the ways that your actor brain engages the rest of your musculature, I do think you're going to kind of come up short on the character development and the the ability to analyze uh, characters that seem like they really come out of left field, especially for video game stuff. The analysis, the ability to dig into the text, even if it feels really weird um, has been a huge asset. Um, And it's honestly, I think it's helped me grow as an actor because I listen to myself differently. I listen to how I breathe differently because it's just it's so intimate. The relationship with a microphone as an actor is so intimate. That's awesome. I I love that. I feel like that sort of gets lost, like what you were saying about like really analyzing the commercial copy as a text, as as you would if it was an acting moment. Because you have to believe it. You're selling something. You are you are the voice of a product. You are you are selling something. And if you don't believe it, then there that comes through just because they can't see your face. You know what I mean? Like that comes through when you don't believe what you're saying. Like even if you're a vegan and you're selling steak, like you still have to believe it. So, yes. I actually taught a workshop last night for um, some high school kids that I used to direct in person. And of course, their show is not happening this year in person, but they are doing a Zoom musical with um, a good friend who was my co-director. And she is a videographer and an amazing director. So we had a vocal voiceover type workshop last night because they're they're going to record their songs on a microphone. Mm. And then she's going to kind of splice everything together with the video later. And that's exactly what I was talking about. Like, even though we can't see you, we have to hear what you're doing in your face and your in your body, even though we can't see you doing it, you still have to do it. Yes. Oh, my God. You're a star. Thank you. Yeah. And it's like <laughs> it's it's so it's hard, right? Because, you know, on stage, they they feel and see the audience feels and sees your voice breaking often before they hear it. They you know what I mean? Like when you have like a really powerful, deep emotional moment, they can see and witness anguish and joy and love and passion and rage. And it's honestly, it's hard to just have that exist in your voice when you cannot fling yourself around, you know, a a 20 square foot stage. 
we did a lot of silly activities, like everyone was on mute anyways, and we all know each other in person. And, and I said, you know, okay, we're going to be silly and play like we're five years old. I want everyone to say out loud, I am so mad, but like act it out with your full body like you're on stage, and then we're going to try it again. But now this time you're going to sit and pretend you're just in front of the mic, and we have to still feel and see everything that you're doing. So it was fun. I love that. I actually might steal that for myself, honestly. <laughs> I just It'll be my little warm-up before I have any crazy, any crazy auditions. What do you do to kind of get in the voiceover zone, or are you sort of like, a, oh, got an audition, I'm just going to do it and get on with my day? It kind of depends. Um, I really, so my my agency is very good at like labeling everything very clearly in terms of due date and like characters and, and all that stuff, which is helpful because I, I have like six inboxes. So when I'm getting bombarded with emails, I'm just like, ah, is anything due in the next hour? Oh my God. And sometimes it is. And sometimes it is. And then, I mean, cheers to working from home because it's like, oh no, I have to walk seven feet to the closet. <laughs> like, in we go. So it depends. I've stepped away from musical theater recently, and so I'm not singing as much as I I was over the last few years. And I've noticed that my voice is different when I wake up in the morning. I tend to sit uh, noticeably lower, um, and it's a little drier, maybe because I sleep with my mouth open. Like, I don't know. It's it's, it's a thing. Form an orderly line, gentlemen. Um, so... If I get auditions the previous day and I know that there's characters that need to have an edge to their voice, a raspiness, a dryness, like a sexiness to their voice, I will wait and then record them pretty much when I wake up first thing because I've got that depth to my voice. Um, And so I kind of I try and like play with time a little bit while also staying within the boundaries of, okay, this is how you sound right now. Can you recreate this if you have an afternoon session and you've had coffee and you've worked out because your voice sounds different. Oh, that's so important. Yeah. You know, like consistency, because you don't want to send people things that you can't like if they want to record at 8 a.m. Great. Let's do that. Most people don't. So for certain types of copy, I am I'm playing with time and when I'm recording and what I've eaten and whether I've had alcohol the night before, like that kind of thing. Um, For commercial stuff, it's usually brighter. It's usually lighter. Right. So I can kind of do that anytime during the day. I'm a very physical person, so I'm kind of always physically active, which is super helpful because that means I am usually hopping in the booth, um, having worked out once or twice, having had a bunch of water, having had my coffee. And that physical, you know, kind of prowess, like, definitely translates to the text and, and the audition. Um I think the only thing I really stay away from is recording at the end of my day. Uh, I work a lot. I have a lot of things on my plate. And I've noticed that I used to record all of my auditions um, at night at the end of the day. It's like bang them out and then send them off early. And I've noticed that throughout the course of the pandemic, I've just become so exhausted that you can hear that in my voice, especially if I'm working 10, 12 hour days, which very often I am. Mm. Um And I don't, you know, even if I feel energetic, that's not translating. And I cannot send off, you know, a perky commercial copy that sounds like I'm dead. (laughs) So um, I've I've migrated to recording midday or recording first thing in the morning when I get up, when I'm fresh and just trying to be mindful of um, how my body is affecting those things. Yeah, that's smart because, you know, if you wake up and you've got this really low voice and you record this amazing audition and then the client... She's a tenor when she wakes up. (laughs) (laughs) And then the client is like, great, let's hire you. And then they record you at, you know, 3 p.m. and you're like, hi, it's me. 
<laughs> I'm back to my soprano. Hello. And they're like, wait a minute. That's not what we wanted. Yeah, yeah. And it's so, oh my God, the differences are so subtle and so glaringly obvious. <laughs> like, it's so much. Yeah. You don't think they are. And then you listen back and you're like, oh, no, they are. Yeah, yeah. That was a learning curve, too. Because, you know, and blessedly, I've been able to have appointments with um, casting directors who, like, want to be on a Zoom with you while you're recording. And you, like, get an appointment time with them. And that's wonderful. Um, Because the things that they hear and point out, it's just things that, as, like, a stage and screen actor, I I hadn't had to think of Mm -hmm. before, you know? Um, And it's that has been a blessing to have the opportunity to really dig into what subtlety really means uh, because we don't we don't think about these things in a subtle way but the microphone knows everything like the camera sees everything the microphone hears everything there's no lies <laughs> so. mm-hmm. yeah how did you um, get your home studio set up during this time oh my god you know uh, just what what a, I, I'm just I'm so incredibly blessed my studio apartment weirdly has one entire wall that is closet and it's got a door on either end um it's a very long closet and uh at the start of things um i could see very quickly in march that we were going to be working from home for a while and if i wanted to continue to be competitive and an asset to my agency i needed to like immediately step my game up um so my buddy, um, my buddy James Sasser, who is a brilliant actor, brilliant voiceover artist, um, dear, dear friend, uh, he's a producer, he's just wonderful. Um, he, he knows a lot about this stuff. And so we were, and we're both with the same agency. So we started talking about what we were each going to do. And he was so helpful in um, like running sound tests for me. Like I would send him files as I was kind of building stuff out. And he's like, okay, great. This is what you need now. This is what you need now. And so I just rearranged my closet, um, put in, uh, you know, a couple of different chunks of, of shelving so I can hold my interface and my laptop. And, you know, there's a place for my coffee cup and my my script and all of that stuff. I have clothes separated to either end. Which, side note, it was a good chance to do a purge. So that was that that happened. Uh, very necessary. <laughs> and then I've got foam padding um, running up the walls and also on the shelf that's above my head because uh, there's one long shelf that runs across. Um, my wires are kind of like elegantly draped where they need to be draped. I've got a ring light in here for lighting. And then I covered the floor with... Um, some thick blanketry, and uh, mm-hmm. here we are. <laughs> and my my microphone, my my beautiful bestie microphone. How did you choose what mic to get? Uh, that I got some really good insight from the sound engineer that I took uh, classes with. I was I was working on like an Apogee USB mic and just plugging it into my phone. Um, and at the time when the when the pandemic hit, I did not have uh, a Mac computer. I've been on. Uh, like like notebooks and Chromebooks and stuff like that forever. I've never owned an Apple computer. So I I had a little bit of money saved and I was like, okay. And he was sending out recommendations for microphones and I kind of took a poll of other folks I know who do well in the sound world. Um, and I settled on the Rode NT1A um, and she has not let me down. And, you know, it was, part of it was a budget choice, but also part of it was hearing this particular sound engineer basically be like, you know, this is the darling of of the sound world in a lot of ways because it's versatile and 
it's just it's so rock steady and it's such good quality and it's not a million dollars. I might upgrade to a larger condenser microphone if I start doing more uh, video game work, but that hasn't been a need. And my agent's been like, you could spend almost two thousand dollars right now, but we don't need you to do that. Like your setup is excellent. So like, wait until we say go. I'm like, great. Um, and I got a MacBook. I got I got a MacBook. So I have like an adult situation with GarageBand and software. And oh, my God, I grew up so much in 2020. You know, I I think a lot of people were in your position who were sort of either at the beginning of their careers or just never had a need for a home studio. And then all of a sudden they were like, hey, if you don't have a home studio, you're not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, it's kind of fun. It's fun. You know, when you're under duress, I guess it's not like that much fun. But um, for me, the tech side of it is really intriguing. And, you know, because my goal is always, how can I be the best teammate to the client that I'm working with? How can I be the best teammate to my agency? How can I make everybody's life really easy? Mm. And an integral part of that has been, how can I recreate a studio situation and understand the lingo and the language and uh, the jargon enough so that when I'm working with, say, Sound Lounge, like I did on a booking a couple months ago, I'm able to kick back and forth the shared language of sound engineering so that I'm easy to work with and they don't have to stress about me. And I've always tried to apply that in acting life in general. You know what I mean? How can I be the best teammate? Um, But it was really, it, it really became clear how important that is here because anybody who's trying to find an agent right now, if you don't have a good sound setup, do not reach out. Just don't because um, they need to know that you understand your tech specs. They need to know that you understand how all of this works. Um, even if you don't know the ins and outs of the industry as a whole, have your tech foundation and your space foundation set up so that you can hit the ground running in the cleanest, uh, most effective way possible because it's too it's it's there's too much happening to like not. Totally. I feel like I I tell people all the time how my recommendations have changed. Like people used to say, like, what should I do? I want to get into voiceover. And I would always say, like, take a class and then take another one, make some demos and then build a home studio. And now it's sort of the reverse. It's almost like take a class and then really think about that home studio first, because you're not going to be able to do anything like maybe you're not even going to be able to make your demo because you, you know, if if you live in an area that maybe doesn't have studios open at the moment, you're going to be stuck. So, yeah, the home studio has just become 100 percent essential. Oh, my God. It's it's you know, to a certain extent, everybody's just like, oh, and I get it. I get it. Like we are now as performers, as artists, as actors, as creatives, we are now our own design team, our own engineering team, our own lighting, our own grip, our own DP. We are our own editor, you know, like all these things. And it's exhausting. And to be honest, it's annoying because it's always going to be easier to just go stand in a booth somewhere and focus on the work. But this is just the reality of the world that we are living in right now. I don't like it. I don't like having to equally prioritize the tech as much as I prioritize the core of the character that I'm embodying. But if this is what's required and this is what's going to make you money, Mm -hmm. great. Just roll with it because we're not in charge of the pandemic. We're not in charge of how studios and agencies and casting directors are responding to this. We're just not. Right. Yeah. I feel like if you can't beat them, join them. You know, people people who are going to dig their heels in and say, like, I'm not going to be my own you know, studio, I'm going to just wait until they open. They might be waiting a while. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's also like to to a certain extent, I've seen a lot of people saying that, which is really unfortunate. A lot of people kind of like going on forums and being like, this is so stupid. Why do we have to do all this? They expect so much. And from a financial standpoint, I get it. I am in a privileged position to have worked enough and saved enough that I could, you know, buy the microphone. I could buy the laptop. I could do these things. That is a privileged position. And not everybody is in that. Um, But I will say, if you are able to do it, and you choose not to based on principle or whatever, you know, whatever is your reasoning, um, that indicates to me that you're not somebody I want to work with mm. because you're not a team player. Our agencies are also struggling. Our casting directors are trying to find their footing. Stu- like studio owners are trying to find their footing. It is not just about the single actor and the single piece of text and, oh, my God, I own that. You know, like, just just do it. Just do it. And like. Voiceover artists are working more than ever now. Mm-hmm. We get to work. That is a gift. It's true. Being a team player is so important. And you're right. You know, if our agencies and, and the casting directors and people who never, ever, ever would have thought that 100 percent of their clients would be recording from home. Now we have to, you know, we have to we have to step up and, and take our take our spot in in the team, as you as you've been saying. And I think that's so important. And I think those of us who come from a theater background have it a little bit easier because we're used to being a team player in that way. But I do feel like that's something that gets overlooked in voiceover. Um, it's come up a few times already, actually, in, in other interviews, because everyone thinks like, oh, you work by yourself. You do voiceover alone. And yes, most of the time, you know, I'm doing auditions by myself every now and then with somebody. But once you book the job, you're working with potentially, you know, one other person or it could be like now, especially on Zoom, everybody wants to be on the Zoom call. Whereas in the city, you know, if you were if you had a booking, maybe three people from the office would come, maybe, a cl- you know, one person from the client and an engineer. And now it's like, Everyone's just sitting at home. So everyone's like, oh, can I join the Zoom call? Oh, I'd love to do the voiceover session. And then suddenly you have 30 people on a Zoom call. It's been a, an, a really interesting transition, you know, to see that, um, like how everybody has kind of come around to being a part of the team. Yeah. And those who have not, like the, the chasm is widening between the people who see the bigger picture and uh, people who are kind of like, clinging to how things were. And that's not just voiceover. I think that's um, that's theater, especially um, this notion of clinging to the familiar, because learning something new can be scary. Learning how to manage a tech setup can be so overwhelming. And like sometimes it's easier to just be like, nope, I if I if I can't see you, you can't see me. And I'm just going <laughs> to I'm going to avoid this chaos because it I think, you know, on an intangible sense, It feels like if we commit to this new lifestyle and this new way of creating and this new way of auditioning and working, that we are somehow betraying what came before and what was before. And it's it's a sad scarcity mindset that I think a lot of us are in um, sporadically because, you know, seeing seeing someone be overwhelmed with tech and so just give up when they're actually really talented and they have a really great voice. And if they just committed to digging in their heels and figuring out the tech, even if it was just so annoying and stressful, um, you know, seeing them kind of like sell themselves short when other people are going, okay, I don't know anything. I'm just going to figure it out. um, And I'm going to ask questions. Um, You know, there's so much work to be had in voiceover that I like I want to see everybody face down the stress of 
figuring out what microphone is best for you, figuring out what sound editing software is, is best for you, figuring out how to like, you know, build out a space in a shared apartment in New York City when you might have a lot of street noise and how to deal with that. I want to see everybody just like dive in feet first because it's going to make us better creators overall. Yeah. And the tech side can be really intimidating. I mean, it's oh, my God, it's a lot. I I always say and I will continue to say that I got very lucky. My husband is a sound engineer. So. Oh, bless. So like I get that, that, you know, I have somebody who is literally like ready, willing and able to help at any moment. And there have been many moments where even now when I've and I've been at this for a while and I've I've actually had a home studio for a while. But even now I'm like. Um, Josh, something's not working. Come help. The tech side is a different mindset. And, you know, a lot of people are like, well, I want, you know, I wanted to be an actor. I didn't want to be an engineer. Well, no, I didn't either. But it can be kind of fun to learn. And I know I personally feel very triumphant when I conquer something on the tech side or or even something on like the business side. Like, I don't love invoicing, but whenever I do, I'm like, yeah, I ran a business today. You feel powerful, right? Because the, the thing, the, the shitty thing about being an actor is that 99% of everything is out of our control. We cannot control when we get the callback. We cannot control if we look like the director's ex-wife. We cannot control <laughs> whether or not people like us. The, nothing is in our control. But when it comes to this, we have an opportunity to have absolute mastery, not just control, but mastery over the things that literally work for us. The microphone works for you. Your computer works for you. Your lighting works for you. And if, you know, I, I just think that's such a such a gift, you know, regardless of whether or not you're married to a sound engineer, um, which is amazing. And I'm so jealous. <laughs> me, me and my studio apartment with my two cats are very jealous. Um, but it is what an opportunity to become good at something that you might not have cared about before, but you are in control of this. You are in control over the quality of files that you send to that casting director. That's inspiring to me. I mean, maybe because I'm a control freak. That's not a maybe. I am a control freak. But, you know, like, I think we deserve that. I think we deserve to arm ourselves with, you know, our invoice template. And like the language that we use and how we present ourselves and and controlling the tech is just that's, you know, that I love being in charge of things. And it just seems like a natural thing that we would all want to have, you know? Yeah, I feel very empowered and inspired by this. And I hope that the listeners do, too. And that, you know, if somebody's out there going, oh, I was really scared about tech, but I'm going to do it now. Just do it. Just do it. It's OK. <laughs> and it's OK to ask questions. There are 100,000, you know, resources on YouTube, on Facebook, Facebook groups, reach out to engineers, you know, people find these people who can answer these questions. They are happy to answer them. I feel like so many engineers, especially at the beginning, like in March and April of last year, were just like inundated with these questions that I'm sure were extremely basic for them. Mm -hmm. And they answered them with so much grace. And like, what an amazing thing to have that resource. And I do feel like the voiceover community has a ton of resources and everyone is usually really willing to kind of jump in and help out and answer questions. Yeah. And that's, I mean, the, you're absolutely right. The generosity of sound engineers that has been kind of put out into the world. And these are like, you know, the these are usually very unseen folks. We don't see we don't see who's behind the curtain making us sound good. You know what I mean? Um, and so to have them kind of have a spotlight on them and to have them be, as you said, so gracious and generous with their time is such 
it's such an indication of the the kind of community mentality of the voiceover world. Um, but it's also, you know, going back to scarcity mindset, it is also so indicative of the fact that there is enough work for everybody. There is plenty of work for everybody. And that's also a gift that we don't experience in theater, in television, in film, in dance. You know, we don't we don't experience that. You know, it's, it seems kind of just like such an open frontier of learning and making money and sparking other creative parts of yourself that you didn't know you needed to activate uh, is just I don't know. I mean, I just I, I just deeply appreciate um, the types of humans that we've been talking about. So in terms of your agents, have you talked to them about other genres that you'd like to explore and be submitted for? I reached out to um, my agent on the West Coast who does 99.9% of the animation and video game stuff. Um, and I was like, what What am I missing? I was like, because I've come close to a couple um, animated shows, like booking stuff on that, and I felt really good about it. And I'm like, what is, what is the missing link here? And she was like, Joanna, you got to unleash the Kraken of the weird. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And, you know, I needed to hear it because... I am so used to kind of being boxed in by theater. Um, And I'm also like a classically trained soprano, you know. And so breaking from habits of speaking and and diction and um, all of these things, it's scary for me because I hadn't really had practice at unleashing the weird. Like, yeah, I'll stand in the shower and like do all these crazy voices that I can do. Um, but that's, you know, I'd never felt safe doing that, uh, from a performance aspect or an audition aspect. And it was almost like Heather gave me permission to unleash the weird. And, you know, I've, I've given myself space to figure out what that looks like from audition to audition and figure out what that sounds like. Um, I still think I can go further. I think I can go further than I let myself go. And so I'm retraining my brain to remember the fact that like, the weirder, the better, because the weird shit in voiceover and in animation and video games, that's the storytelling. Like just, you know, you're going to have battle cries. You're going to have sounds of getting punched. You're going to have um, crazy fantasy text and like, you know, like just, like these whole other worlds. And the closer I get to really feeling like I'm committing to it and walking away from my fear of being weird, because if you're weird in theater, you get rejected. Um the more I walk away from that, the more I feel like uh, I get more comfortable um, doing these experimental things. So I really, I really, really want to book a series. Um, you know, video games are hard. They're hard on the voice, even just the auditions, like all of these efforts. I'm like, whoa. But I would love to do some Disney animation. I would love to do, uh, you know, there's there's so much good animation um, across all of the streaming platforms that like I would love to book a show mm-hmm. in, in that sense. I really would, especially for the consistency of work. If you're a recurring character. Oh, my God. So that that's the next goal. I would love I would love to see if I can make that happen this year. Um, and, you know, in the meantime, just like I'm trying to get weirder. <laughs> Honestly, that's awesome. I feel like whenever I take an animation class, that's sort of the crux of it, the crux of what the teachers are saying. It's like, great, you thought you went far, but you didn't. And let's try it again and go a little farther. And you can always see it in other people when they do 
you know, when they do take one and then you're like, oh, that was really good. And then they push you and the teachers, you know, give you feedback and then you unleash the weird and then you go take two and you're like, oh, my gosh, that was so good. But you, I feel like I can't find it for myself all the time in that sort of that same sense. But I love that. I'm going to write that down and post it in the booth somewhere. Unleash the weird. <laughs> yeah. Do you sweat when you send in auditions? Like, what, like there are some there are sometimes I've auditioned and I'm like sweating. <laughs> Oh my god, it's so funny, and I like I can smell myself. I'm like, girl, this is, you need to shower after this audition. You sound crazy, but you went all in, and that you left it all in the booth. And I feel like you have to do that, right? Right? It's oh god, it's so this. Our world is funny. It is. It's so funny, and and it it, it gets funnier as you kind of get into it because sometimes I even on like the commercial copy, like I'll leave the booth and be like. Gosh, what I do is so weird. Like, I just spent 20 minutes in the booth saying, like, okay, okay, okay. (laughs) Like, that's it. That's the only line I had. And I had to say it three times, but it took me 20 minutes to figure out, like, 150 different ways to say it. And then I'll pick my favorite three and then I'll send it off. Yep. 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 Oh, God. And the listening back is always just like, because oh, I never like listening to myself. I don't like listening to myself saying I don't like bleh. But you have to listen back, both from like a tech standpoint and also from an actor standpoint, because like we were just saying, you think you go far and then you listen. You're like, you're you you're a dead voice. What are you talking about? Um, you know, this is this is one dimensional and it's not enough. Um, so the the listening back is always <laughs> really funny. <laughs> When you listen back, um, you know, especially like for a commercial audition, what what makes you I don't know if you can kind of put a finger on like what makes you go? That's it. That's the take I'm sending versus like eh, not that one. I love that question because I discovered this fairly early on. So I will I will record a bunch of takes and then I will listen back to them um, in the order that I recorded them in usually. And I'll like pull back from my mic and just listen and not look at the file. And when I catch myself smiling without realizing that I'm smiling, that's how I know that's the one. Ooh. Yeah, I just like, there will be times where I'll just listen to takes and I just catch myself grinning from ear to ear. And I'm like, oh yeah, I didn't even, I'm not smiling on purpose. So I should probably send this one. That's good. I like that. I'm going to try that. I'm stealing it. It's like you get a physiological response to somebody's voice, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like on the meditation apps, some voices work really well. And I've discovered it's kind of the same thing. Like it, the... However, the sound makes you feel manifests physically almost immediately. And I just I trust that. Like, I just trust how my body reacts to what I'm hearing. That's really good. Yeah. You know, we don't trust ourselves all the time because now, besides being an engineer and the actor, we're also sort of the director and the casting director Mm. in a way. Like we're Mm -hmm. we're trying to figure out in our own auditions and voices what the other person wants based on the specs that they've given us. And it's really hard. Which are often like three words. They're either three words or they're like 75 words. Yeah. It's it's always so funny to me. I literally got an audition the other day that the spec was nice generic voice. <laughs> I got that one too. And you know what? It was my favorite spec I've ever read because the fact that they even had to write anything, like they should have just written nothing. And then you have to go in the booth and you're like, am I being generic enough? Like, right. Or am I too generic? What is happening? <laughs> it's a it's a mental game. It is a mental game in here for sure. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, and it's also, you know, 
in in the spirit of being your own uh your own game master in terms of like trying to get in the casting director's head and uh you know learning to understand the preferences of some casting directors and um you know how can i make this terrible text sound appetizing you know like all of this stuff it's i've i've become so discerning in so many ways and so the ability to be discerning about like what is worth the time and the energy considering the amount of output that we are being asked to do on top of just being actors um you know and like some people will likely disagree with me because money is money yes money is money but also time is money and these things take time they just do yep i agree and my friend Maria, who was on a another episode, always likes to say, like, a rising tide lifts all boats. And so if everybody kind of comes up to not just, well, it's just money, um, you know, and everybody's getting these fair rates for things, then we all get the fair rates. And it's also, you know, I I don't know if you've ever been on any of those platforms. What is it like voiceover one, two, three or something like that? Um, but I'm hearing about these platforms because I've had several people reach out and be like, hey, um, I'm on this platform and I got this audition. What do you think about this? And I am never seeing a rate that's viable from like big brands, big companies. And they're there. You just have to really. I've been on Voice 123 for, I mean, almost my entire career. And and it has helped me grow my business for sure. And I've gotten lots of amazing clients. But you do have to really weed through and figure out like, you know, again, like what's worth your time and what's a good investment of time. But it's not all bad. It's it's it is some bad, but it's not all bad. Yeah. Well, and also so many people, so many new people are flooding into the voiceover market that like there's not that foundation of information about what is a good rate. You know, I think if if people can kick off their careers on these platforms um, because they don't have representation yet or whatever it might be, that's amazing because you're always going to learn. You're going to learn with every booking, with every audition, every callback. Like we're always going to learn. Um, but I, I wish there was kind of like a universal bucket of information that people could dive into to understand, like, what is a good hourly? What is a good dubbing rate? What is um, like if you're doing a bilingual ad, you know, like what how should the rate be? adjusted like explaining usage terms people there's not like a one-stop shop for people to mm -hmm. understand what usage even is um and it's like i i'm always so protective of people who are talented obviously and eager and hungry um and don't yet have a pile of information to understand how to best advocate for themselves and who don't have an agent to do it for them like it just it makes everything exponentially harder. Um, but at the same time, sometimes that's the best way to learn. Yeah. For listeners who might need the information, there's a rate guide that's a kind of the gold standard non-union rate guide is the GVAA rate guide. Um, and you can just Google that gvaarategui.com and I'll put a link to it as well. And that really breaks down every category you could possibly imagine in voiceover the rates, the usage, session fees, everything kind of all looped together in this really, really, really comprehensive document. So if you're non-union and you're looking for, you know, a great resource to kind of not only use when you're quoting or, you know, use to kind of say, like, is this fair? Is this a good rate? But to just read and learn, that's a great one. So what is, we'll wrap up with, what is one thing that you kind of tell people as your like favorite piece of advice for someone that's just starting out? It's kind of twofold. And I might be repeating things that we've already said. Um, 
But part one of it is maximize your setup. Um, and that is your soundproofing, finding a good microphone, you know, all of that. And don't walk away from your actor brain. Because I think a lot of people coming in think that it's not acting. You're only using one isolated part of your body. So we leave behind all of the treasures and all of the brilliance um, that's contained in our very evolved actor brains. Um, when really the actor brain is like our biggest asset when it comes to working with the text. So that's a part one and part two of an umbrella chunk of advice. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for asking me. I'm still such a neophyte in this world, so I like I hope anything I said is maybe remotely helpful. Um, but thank you for thank you for asking me. I love what Joanna said about being a team player. She mentioned it a few times in regards to both agents and clients, and I think it's a really important thing to keep in mind. Being the best asset to the team is key. And that can mean so many different things, whether that's having a great home studio so no one has to worry about your sound quality or being able to take direction during a session. As voice actors, we want to do everything we can to make sure we're contributing positively to the team, which hopefully will lead to us getting more work. If you'd like to learn more about Joanna, I'm linking her website and socials in the show notes, which you can find at my website, www.stephaniepamroberts.com podcast. And to stay updated about future episodes, please follow me on Instagram at stephaniepamrobertsvo. Thank you so much for listening, and here's a little preview of next week's episode. When you wrote this sentence, what exactly are you, you know, saying? What's the mood of the piece? You know, all of those things I think are just really important before you just dive right in. You can have a great voice and not know how to use it, you know. That's next week on Making It to the Mic.